I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And it's Don Dubuque with you on this Saturday morning. Generally, I am with you on Saturdays from 5 to 7 with the Outdoor Show. I'm doing some special coverage of the aftermath of Hurricane Ida, trying to help our listeners get through this, whether you're here and you're dealing with power outages or insurance problems, or if you're from afar listening, when can you come back home and check out your home and get moved back in? Those are things we try to provide for you. And, of course, the basic necessities, uh, food, water, ice, uh, and then after that maybe some fuel. But those are the necessities to to get through these tough times. We have with us the Louisiana State Insurance Commissioner, Mr. Jim Donnellan, is joining us. Jim, thanks for being with us on this Saturday morning. I know you're a busy guy doing this week. Well, we are busy, but it's it's a pleasure to be with you, Don. I always enjoy your Saturday morning reports on on what's happening out in the marsh, whether it's well, ducks or fish. I I appreciate it, even if I'm not there. Well, that's a great compliment. Thank you, and it's uh, always fun to talk about those things. This not so much, but we got to do it, right. Jim. I think what we'll do is is let you get out any breaking information about insurance claims here, and and then I'll I'll get to some of the specific ones I'm hearing from the listeners, and then maybe give some tips and advice for dealing with your insurance company as we get time available for that. But if you would maybe just start off and tell us the general uh, uh, status of what insurance claims are, are going through right now in the state of Louisiana. Well, the the reporting agencies that that do the projections on catastrophic loss after every event are reporting that this will be a record-breaking all-time, not Katrina level, but nothing close to second to Katrina has happened in our state or anywhere else from a hurricane. They're projecting 15 to $20 billion in insured losses being paid as a result of Ida. Katrina still holds the all-time insured loss event record for any insured loss event. And I'm talking 9-11, the tsunami and earthquake in in Japan. We collected in Louisiana alone for Katrina insured losses $23.3 billion. And you'll recall three weeks later, we collected another $3.3 billion for Rita losses. And then last year, we had Laura cost $8.6 billion in insured losses in the Lafayette area, followed a month later by uh, Delta that came through through the same exact footprint that Laura had devastated. So it's it's costly. It's it's expensive. Uh, we had a million claims for Katrina. We had three a third of a million last year for Laura, Delta, and Zeta. We'll probably have a half a million uh, claims this year. But you you let off with what's the latest in the what's happening in in the claims arena. 
Yesterday, I issued a bulletin to all insurers telling them that they should not use the um, mandatory evacuation language that's in all virtually all property insurance uh, policies as a trigger to, to enact, uh, to, to enable claimants to access a, a additional living expense coverage for up to 14 days. That's the typical um, when, when forced to evacuate, to be put out of their premises um, and barred from returning by a mandatory evacuation order. And frankly, that language is there to stop abuse with, with any threatening weather, uh, enabling people to collect 14 days of, of uh, compensation uh, just by a, man, a, a voluntary evacuation order. And in this case, it was not issued as a mandatory for fear of putting people, constituents of public officials, in greater danger trying to evacuate and being caught in gridlock, as did happen the year before, Katrina, when we evacuated the first time we tried ContraFlow uh, for Hurricane Ivan that ended up in Pensacola and doing devastating damage. But people were stuck in the Atchafalaya uh, Bridge area for eight hours with, in, in August, with nowhere to go, with no restroom facilities, no uh, food, no no water, because of the gridlock that happened. So prudently and appropriately, public officials, with the fast-approaching storm that, that Ida became, said we're not going to order a mandatory evacuation because, frankly, it won't work, and people will be put in greater danger than if they stay in place in their homes. And now that trigger, if you will, that protection against abuse of the system is is standing between these evacuees who did evacuate, uh, collecting what they justly and rightly should collect, although the language of their policy uh, says not. And I was actually approached while discussing this within our own ranks um, by Allstate saying they wanted me to issue such a uh, urge bulletin to the industry so that they could uh, accommodate. And and then I have learned since that USAA has started doing the same thing after the president urged on Thursday uh, that the insurers not use that, that mandatory evacuation trigger as a bar to folks who did evacuate getting out of harm's way, uh, right to collect up to 14 days uh, for the expenses of that evacuation. Well, that's only common sense. I mean, people were running for their lives, whether you call it voluntary or mandatory. I mean, they're getting out of Dodge because they have to for fear of their lives. How does this language get resolved? Is this something that has to be done by the Congress? Can it be done by executive order? That needs to be changed and, and gotten into line so we won't have to deal with that problem. Well, it is, it is an issue, and it does need to be addressed. It, it's not a congressional issue because – Insurance is regulated, and everybody agrees it's better regulated um, at the state level. Something called McCarran-Ferguson was passed by Congress back in the 40s and says that insurance shall be regulated at the state level. Now, here and there, they've they've gotten into the insurance business over the decades. The first that, that resonates with us is back in the 60s after Hurricane Betsy, when they created the National Flood Insurance Program. Not insurance, 
but administered by companies, adjusted by uh, private adjusting firms, serviced by agents uh, selling and, and servicing the policies. But the risk is borne by the federal government. It's actually a FEMA program. You know, Medicare is a, is a health insurance program. Um, the, the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, uh, got into health insurance. So they can and do. They, they did TRIUM, Terrorism Risk Insurance Act, after 9-11. So they do venture into and can venture into even this issue, uh, but generally stay out of the details and the, the uh, nuances, if you will, of insurance regulation, leaving it to the states. That language has been there in policies. It's called civil authority for that 14-day, I call it, the short-term additional living expense. If your premises are rendered uninhabitable, then that triggers long-term additional living expense as you have to leave while the repairs are are being done and stay off uh, out of your home. Those expenses are, are reimbursable under virtually all policies as well. But this one is about short term it does require a mandatory evacuation and um and and it has not been a problem for us with all of our hurricanes up until now it hasn't been a problem in in any other state and that language is virtually identical in every company's policy in every state in america so we'll look at it but this is a unique situation that is a first time anywhere in america uh, to trigger this discussion of additional living expenses. I'm hopeful that the companies will do the right thing and follow the president's urging and my urging. And I think that the combination of me, their regulator that involved in this issue, and the president saying to do it will result in, if not all, virtually all companies um, uh, make, ignoring that part of their, their policy language. Could the marketplace have some bearing on this if uh, the companies uh, no are, are made public uh, who, who cooperate with this and people see that and Absolutely. they move their insurance I, over? That certainly would be motivation to make the changes. No question. And the last sentence in my uh, bulletin yesterday said, for those who do accommodate this request, I can't force them, but those who do, please notify me so that as we investigate complaints filed by by um, consumers, then we can tell them your company did, your company did not. And as companies start to say that they will uh, uh, abide by this request, I will post such a list with a link on my website, ldi.la.gov, www.ldi.la.gov. Very good. Jim, I'll start with some of these questions. Uh, someone wants to know if they should apply for FEMA, even though they have insurance, especially if you don't have enough damage to meet a large hurricane deductible. Is that true? Will FEMA compensate you for your deductible that you had to pay? I do not know the answer to that, that second question. I do know the answer to the first question, and that is absolutely. Everybody should go to FEMA's website. It's not under my authority. It's under the governor's authority. And and apply. There's no harm in doing that. It's a very simple, easy process to do it. The rules have not been rolled out yet. The road home program had different rules than the the Lake uh, Lake Charles uh, Laura uh, uh, aftermath last year. 
And this event will probably have yet a different set of rules and and requirements. But to to the first question, absolutely, everybody should file and and, uh, get, get get on record with a, with a number, uh, kind of like a claims number, uh, will be given to those who apply for, for assistance, and the details on what they'll cover and what they won't cover will be forthcoming in the weeks, probably even into the months um, ahead. Jim, a lot of these questions are going to be best answered by insurance companies because they may all have different policies, but perhaps you can help some of these people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Question saying, what about those, and this is going to be a lot of people, who rode the storm out in a house with no power. And I'm not talking about just riding it out. They stayed in it while they were waiting for the power to come back. How would an insurance company handle the uninhabitable compensation portion for those policies? Someone who stayed in a home, some people might consider it uninhabitable and others consider it livable because they actually stayed in it. But would the fact that they stayed in the house defeat any claim that they might make that it was uninhabitable? Well, if, if the, well, I guess we're talking uninhabitable only applies to the long-term, uh, for lack of, I mean, that's my term, long-term additional living expense. And lack of power, uh, lack of water, does not render an individual policyholder's premise uninhabitable. It's the damage to their premise that a tree through the roof that is at at issue with whether or not it's uninhabitable. And yes, you do have to have expenses in order to be compensated for those expenses. There's no provision that says we can we can uh, compensate you for the for the pain and suffering that you endured for the heat and the lack of water uh, for having stayed there for X number of days uh, when it was, quote, too hot and and dangerous and all of the above. And it certainly was. Uh, no question about it. But um, but no, they, there's no compensation for uh, un, unexpended expenses related to in particular, even even in a case of a tree through the roof. Um, if, if you're living there, if you choose to stay there then you have incurred no loss that's compensable under your insurance policy. Got it. Great explanation. We're talking with State Insurance Commissioner Jim Donlin. If you've got a particular question or issue that you'd like answered, text it or call us, 504-260-1870. Jim, I'm getting a couple of common questions here, more than one, about people wanting to know about generators. Would they be covered under an additional living expense? Please clarify if it's covered. Actually, I'm, I'm shocked to say this, but I've not had that question before, so I can't definitively say yes or no. But generally, in my experience, no, because um, it's, it's not a expense that you incur from a third party, like a hotel or, or a campground or what have you. It's something that you buy for your own benefit. And, and install, um, and I, you know, you, you you can do other things, too, to strengthen your house, to make it more comfortable. Um, you can put an air conditioner in a garage apartment or a room of your house, a portable air My sister down in Florida, who went through multiple hurricanes, uh, walking around in eye walls in, in the horrible year they had in 04, with four coming through, uh, in one hurricane season, she bought a one-room air conditioner. But I, 
I can't definitively say not, but I don't think it would be covered. All right, here's one that says they're insurer. Let, let, let me go back to that. But let me okay. go back to that for a second. When you make your claim, and everyone should make a claim immediately now uh, for, for additional living expense, for whatever shingles are off of their house, even if they know that it's below their hurricane deductible, they should make their claim now rather than later on in a couple reasons. Number one, if you do have to hire a, a contractor and do have um, um, damage that's that's compensable by by your insurance company. The sooner you get your adjuster out, the sooner you'll get your check. The sooner you get your check, the sooner you'll be able to go out and hire and contract with a legitimate, local, licensed, insured, reputable roofer contractor. Because trust me, there will be hundreds of storm chasers. They're called coming into our our area and preying on people who get a large check and are desperate to get their roof fixed, their home put back together. And that's that's a perennial problem all across America, whatever the disaster is. So the sooner the better. Number two, even if you're not going to reach your hurricane deductible, we have a law in Louisiana we copied from Florida after their 04 experience when we had back-to-back one, one was Gustav and the next was Ike threatening to come through the exact area of Homa and Lake in Baton Rouge that, that Gustav had just done. We copied the law that Florida had passed limiting hurricane deductibles to one per hurricane season. And, and that helped folks in Lake Charles last year because Delta came through a month later, the same path that Laura had devastated just a month before. So even if you don't reach your deductible, by filing a claim and getting it documented that you had shingles off, you had to get it repaired, it cost $4,000, but you had a $5,000 hurricane deductible. If, Lord forbid, we have a second event, we're only halfway through this hurricane season, then the next hurricane deductible would only be $1,000 because you will have used up 4000 of it with the first claim. So there's plenty of reason to file a claim and, and get yourself a claim number, including uh, what, what the uh, caller was asking about, the possibility of getting the generator covered. Right. Jim, i got an interesting question here. This one says that their insurer states that he has no wind or hail, including in the policy, to cover the roof. I don't know what else would cover a roof other than a flood, which would be, you know, really a, a total loss. But anyway, oh, it said the I, FEMA application asked if I have homeowner's insurance. Homeowner's insurance said, you got no claim for your roof. What should be my next move? He applied to FEMA, and the application went directly to the SBA, Small Business Administration. Thank you. Well, again, I don't I don't deal with the the FEMA uh, end of things. That that falls under the governor and, and frankly, the Congress, because uh, FEMA is a federal a federal program, um, but I do I think I know what that caller is referring to. There are thousands of policies out there, homeowners policies that exclude wind and hail. Um, I remember being asked by by my best friend on my way to an LSU game after uh, uh, Katrina and Rita, the, the Peach Bowl it was in in Atlanta, and and he had a policy. And, and it excluded or was going to exclude wind and hail, his company. And, and he tells me on the way to, to the game, well, what's left? 
And I said, <laughs> um, <laughs> dog bites, kitchen fires, uh, and other things, <laughs> and other things. But but what has happened in Florida and in Louisiana, and I'm sure other states, is companies were continue unwilling to write hurricane protection and and coverage, and so they started xing wind and hail. And the markets of last resort, in our case, it's citizens, provides coverage for those who are exed wind and hail by their insurer. So that leaves you then with three policies, the flood insurance policy from the from FEMA, uh, the homeowners policy from whoever your homeowners is with, and the citizen state-sponsored market of last resort for wind and hail. That's probably what he is running into, probably – well, I hope not. Un- he wasn't unaware and didn't get his agent to get him a citizen's wind and hail policy. And there are private companies writing wind and hail only policies as well in our state. So I hope he has it. But if he doesn't, that's something he needs to talk to his agent about. Absolutely. Well, maybe look at another company. I mean, what else could there be other yeah. than somebody, a, Correct. a thief, a burglar, they steal your roof maybe. Is that possible? I don't know. Anyway, uh, this one came up, and, and I was thinking this when we were talking, going back to the mandatory versus voluntary evacuations. Uh, someone wanted to know if a parish president could retroactively declare a mandatory evacuation. In other words, after it's gone through, you could certainly prove by what it leaves behind, all the records, that, yeah, this was definitely a mandatory evacuation. We did not call it in the interest of safety for the people who would be evacuating to get caught in it. But now looking back at it, it certainly qualifies as one. Could that be a temporary fix until they can get the, the issue resolved uh, through other means? Don, you have some savvy listeners. i got to give it to you. <laughs> that was part of a one-day discussion amongst the governor's office, my office, myself included, and, and others uh, as a way to um, address this issue. Uh, it was decided that it represented, it brought with it more complications, if you will. Litigation, certainly, but as one public official said, I'll worry about the lawsuits later. I'm going to save lives now. And I said, I'm totally in agreement with you. If that's what we should do, let's do it. But let's try to call on the industry to do the right thing and not further complicate this this mess with with um, trying to do it retroactively. And it, it brings, in addition to uh, legal issues, it brings equity issues into play. Uh, if there are going to be any companies resisting, they would have uh, a say in the matter in courts as well. So uh, I think the companies will step up and do the right thing and eliminate the need for that. But that is one of the uh, objects, the discussions that we've had in recent days as a way to uh, address this issue. Yeah, I'm hoping it will become consumer uh, driven, but we'll we'll see. Time will tell on that. All right, uh, another. Well, I'll tell you what. I got many common themes, but I've got a couple of callers on. Let's go to Matthew holding on. Sure. He's got a question for you, Jim. Cool. Hello, Matthew. You're on with Louisiana Insurance Commissioner Jim Donlin. So I just got a phone call from a tree company that says that yeah, they will start taking the tree off my house if I assign the right to build the insurance company to them. And no, they don't give estimates. And uh, the one part, one part of me says, "Ooh, this sounds like a great idea." 
The other part of me is, is wondering, hmm, there's like, sounds like there's a hook there somewhere. Well, that that is a common practice in Florida. And generally, the companies that are asking you to assign your benefits uh, to a roofing company are also uh, partnered with a lawyer and with a um, uh, public adjuster. Uh, and And that may be the arrangement that this uh, person, this company has may not be, I don't know, but I will tell you to be careful because once you assign your benefits, then you're in the hands of that roofer and, and, um, uh, well, there's a tree company. Well, tree, tree company. And, and, and it works with roofers the same way. And some companies, some insurance companies have put in their provision a requirement that you get their approval before you assign your benefits to a third party. That also needs to be looked into and can be. It's hard for citizens to decipher all the, the technicalities contained in, a, in an insurance policy, no question. But a phone call to your agent first is, is the first thing you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> a phone call to my agent. Oh, that's a rich one, uh, Commissioner. That's a rich one. That's what? Uh, I think he's saying cool. that uh, getting a hold of agents at this point is, is, is very difficult. I think that's the message call, we got from that. Call, call, call this number, 800-259-5300. We'll get your agent post-haste. Not a, not a problem. You do have to wait till Tuesday. We're, we're not manning the phone. We manned them all week with volunteers from our staff and only we received 300 calls a day on average for the, for the four days uh, since the hurricane. But, uh, but we'll be back eight o'clock Tuesday morning and we'll get, get you in touch with your agent. No question about it. Now, some folks buy their policies direct 800 numbers. USAA only does direct progressive does agents and they also do direct. So if you shouldn't have any trouble reaching an 800 number out of state, but if you have trouble reaching a local agent, and I can understand why that would be the case, call us. We'll we'll put you in touch with that agent the same day. All right, very good. Let's go to Dora now. Dora, you're on with State Insurance Commissioner Jim Donlin. Hi. Yes. Um, I decided to, we decided to stay for the storm, and it's been a week, and I have an emergency savings, but now we're running out of money. I do have additional living expenses through my insurance. Now, if we decide to leave for the next two weeks because we're in Tangipahoe Parish and that's when the target date is supposed to be, can I claim that on my insurance? You can. You you, you certainly claim it. Certainly claim it. And you probably have a valid argument for additional living expenses up to 14 days. Uh, It is difficult if you're doing it because – it's too hot. Um, to, it's harder well, to justify. To me, excuse me, but to me, if I would have left, y'all would be paying it. Say now again. I'm deciding to leave now. So it's either you pay me before or you pay me after. I don't understand why, um, you know, we, we thought we had enough money, but with the gas prices going up and just between last Tuesday and today, it's already been a 50-cent a 50 jump at the pumps. Well, you can't get that back from your insurance company. That's not a basis for for a for a claim. I understand and, the and pain. I, I understand that, but what I'm saying is, 
if I decided to stay and ride out the storm and then evacuate or just evacuated because y'all would pay me then. What's the difference? Yeah. You say? Yes, you didn't, yes, sir. You didn't have... You didn't have expenses while you were there. You didn't have a hotel bill. Now, you're saying give me the the hotel stay now because I've put up with a week, and you have, and I I want to get out of this misery for the second week. Submit it. File a, com- a, a claim. If you're unhappy with what your company tells you, file a complaint with us, and, and we'll look into it. We'll write a letter immediately, send an email immediately to the company, giving them 15 days to explain why they turned down your your uh, claim if they turn it down. I don't know what their position will be. It will vary probably from company to company on situations as you described. Folks who choose to evacuate after not having done so at the peak of the hurricane risk. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Dora. We appreciate your call. Jim, that brings up an interesting point. I'm sure a lot of people are not aware that that is a service that the state office of insurance uh, performs for people, that you will actually register or investigate these complaints with the companies. Um, And there could be any number of reasons why people are not happy with their insurance company. Do you feel like the fact that your office contacts these companies, that that in itself, when you lay out the the story to them, that that might be motivation enough for them to honor the claim? It certainly motivates them. And and what I describe our role is is similar to the Better Business Bureau. And it even comes with a a centralized deposit uh, system in Kansas City manned by the National Association of Insurance Commissioners for complaints against companies and uh, total by company and the valid complaints against those companies, just like the Better Business Bureau does. But in addition to that, if we find egregious behavior by a company, we can take action, including fining, including suspending their license, including revoking their license. So they surely take notice when we tap on their door and say, hey, you have an unhappy policyholder that is complaining to us. Explain yourself. And, and they, it, it rises to a higher level. We did 1,700 formal complaints in the aftermath of Laura Delta and, and uh, uh, Zeta uh, over the past year. We added, by our estimate, $50 million, a little over $50 million to what was being offered to these, pol- these 1,700 complaining policyholders um, when we finished our investigation. Companies came up with additional compensation for those folks. So it works. It's easy. It's, it's uh, very user-friendly, and we encourage folks. I, I spent $100,000 telling folks about it on radio ads and telling folks, take the first check. Don't turn the money down. Take the check and deposit it. It's first-party coverage. There's no release. It doesn't end the claim. If you find that uh, lumber went up and from, from the time that you uh, adjusted your claim with your company at the outset, then you can file a supplemental uh, claim and get the difference between what was uh, paid to you for, for lumber or for labor if labor went up or if you discovered un- heretofore undiscovered mold behind the sheetrock in your house, in your wall that came in when, when the roof 
partially uh, uh, shed shed shingles and and became vulnerable. All of that is available through our complaint department. And I might add, we got six hundred thousand dollars from the legislature in the last session to do what's called market conduct examinations. We have um, identified five companies as the ones in most, in our judgment, in most need of us sending this national company, R&R, market conduct examiners, into their offices to look over their records to see if how prompt they were in communicating with their, their uh, policyholders, how prompt they were in, in sending checks that were promised um, in, in the adjusting process, et cetera. That is undergoing uh, underway right now. We spent the six hundred. We're spending the six hundred thousand uh, doing it. We get all of that money back from the companies because under the law, if we go into their office and do a market conduct exam, they owe us the expense. So the state fronted the money for us to do this um, to check on their claims handling processes. But we will get that money back, and it will be paid back to the state. Uh, at the end of those five market conduct exams. So it's it's a serious uh, regulatory tool that has a very positive effect uh, for, for policyholders so that I, I really urge them to take advantage of it. Absolutely. When they're shopping for their policy, uh, that's certainly some information that's extremely valuable in making that choice. Where is that avail- uh, available, that report, that people can look that's, at? That, that's at the NAIC. But frankly, in an even better tool for shopping purposes is what we did also. We took our 1,700 formal complaints and compared them to the market share of a company. And if a company had 10% of the market share, then they, by, by mathematical evaluation, should have 10% of the complaints. If they have more than 10% of the complaints under our complaint index, they are above their proportionate share. That complaint index is also the, the report, the, the results of that analysis is also on our website, ldi.la.gov, by company. So that, that's a, a handy tool for looking at how companies performed over the past year in Laura, Delta, and Zeta. Very good. Let's uh, take one more call if we can. Let's get Chris in Madisonville. Chris, thanks for your call. You're on with uh, Jim Donald, Louisiana State Insurance Commissioner. Hi, guys. Um, I live in Madisonville, Louisiana. Um, we have Entergy. We're one of like only 5,000 people over here with Entergy on the North Shore. But um, I, we did not evacuate, and um, we would be pretty self-sufficient at first when we had food from the freezer, but now everything's gone. So now we have to go out and eat all the meals. We have to go get gas because we've got to keep running to these places. We're going through batteries like crazy because we try to keep light in the house at night. And I was wondering if either FEMA or my insurance company would make me hold for that. Claim both. I doubt that you'll get the batteries uh, from from your insurance uh, company, but file your claim. Um, the contents. Did you say you lost food and 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 things in your freezer? Correct. That that is covered by by your your homeowner's policy. So file that. It may may. 
What's that? What about my um, hurricane deductible? Oh, that's like $5,400. That, that, may, that, may, that may apply. It varies right. from company to company, just like the additional living expense comes with three different kinds of deductibles uh, that, that we, dis- we, we uncovered. Not uncovered. We approved them all. But we found when we checked into the companies this past week uh, as to which deductible is applicable to this uh, civil authority temporary uh, uh, short-term, as I call it, additional living expense. So it, it may and probably is uh, subject to your hurricane deductible. But do you have other damage as well? No, sir. We have okay. a tree on a house that did not do damage, so we're, we made it pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, those, those items, uh, I, I doubt, well, the, the contents of the freezer, the, the policy I recently looked at had $500. It may differ with your company. Um, and, and I urge you to file the claim anyway because the tree that laid on your house, it's like the one that laid on, on my house in, in the aftermath of Katrina. I had a, a pine tree lay on my house, um, and it just moved a dozen shingles around, didn't do any significant damage, but had to take the tree down. Have you taken the tree down? Yes, sir. That's covered. That's covered. Okay. Certainly. So you 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 need to file it. You may you may be above your deductible, but even if you're not, you need to get it on record in the event you have a we have another horrific event like we just went through, like Lake Charles had last year, because that will accumulate and reduce your your name storm deductible for that next event. Oh, okay. And what about the living, the food expenses? Is that something that they're going to pay for, even though I did no. not evacuate? No. no. You you would have had food expenses. You have to eat anyway. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Let, let, right. let me add this. Let me add this. I three meals a day out. <laughs> let, let me add this um, to, to what you may be entitled to, and I wanted to mention it anyway. Under your policy, under any policy, including the National Flood Insurance Program policy. Policyholders have a duty to minimize their damage, and and that duty does not require you to put yourself, your, your safety at risk, but it does require you to, stay, to take reasonable steps to prevent further damage happening as a result of the tree moving uh, shingles around on, on, on your roof that may cause a leak that you're not aware of at this point because it hadn't been raining. But it's going to start raining again next week, and you may find that that it created a mold behind the walls in your house. So you can, under your policy, you can take the steps necessary to prevent that from happening. You have a duty, in fact, to minimize your, your losses. And whatever expense for labor and materials that you incur reasonably expenses are covered by your insurance policy, your homeowner's insurance or flood uh, policy. So I urge everyone to be mindful of that. Very few people are and take those steps in their own benefit and and on their own behalf, but also because they have a duty uh, under their policy uh, to, to do that. 
All right, we need to take the break. Chris, uh, good luck to you. Uh, Jim, thanks for spending time on a Saturday morning. I hope maybe we can do this again real soon because I've got lots of questions that people have uh, need to be answered with ins- regard to insurance. And I tell you, in the long line of insurance commissioners, uh, you are certainly a breath of fresh air. We really appreciate you being here. <laughs> well, I will be here at your request, and I appreciate the opportunity. I, I am impressed with your your listeners, Don. I, I, I got some really good questions here this morning. They so, are the greatest, no doubt about it. Thanks again, Jim. Good deal, sir. Bye-bye. All right, Jim Donlin, Louisiana State Insurance Commission. All right, coming back after this, I think we got an update from St. Tammany Parish President Mike Cooper. And then I'll wrap it up here and turn it over to our team, WWL, as we continue the Hurricane Ida aftermath right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t